holy and good being on the earth is Lady Galadriel of the Golden Wood, right? She's older than the sun and moon. She's amazingly powerful. And Frodo offers the ring to her, and she is tempted by it. And during her temptation, she says, Instead of a dark lord, you would have a queen. Not dark, but beautiful and terrible as the dawn. Temptuous as the sea, and stronger than the foundations of the earth. All shall love me in despair. That's what the ring does. Is it perverts and corrupts, right? And no matter what, who would take the ring, whether it be a wizard or Lady Galadriel the elf or even humble little Frodo, right, the hobbit, it doesn't matter. If you put the ring on and use it, you will be consumed by it. Yeah. In trying to use it, in striving to use it, you are consumed by it. Yeah. Right? That's pretty intense. And I can't believe some of y'all have not seen those movies. <laughs> some of the greatest stuff. I, I literally write all my sermons to the soundtrack of Lord of the Rings. Like, I just play that in the background and start writing my sermons. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you guys don't know how many times I put like a Lord of the Rings reference and just been like, nah, all right, I'm not going to do that to him. So you got it tonight. All right? right. So there's something you can do together over spring break, right? Right. right. Get together and have a Lord of the Rings marathon. Extended yeah. editions. It'll be about 12 and a half hours, and you can do Hobbit meals, right? <laughs> breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, lunch, dinner, supper, afternoon tea, right? It's great. It's so much fun. You'll gain like 20 pounds, and you'll love it. Okay. So I want you to keep that concept of the one ring in your mind. That no matter your intentions, if you use it, you are consumed by it. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So just keep that idea in your brain. Um, now let's go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen behind me, right? Yep. This is Jesus speaking, and he's telling a parable. And he says, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Will you speak to us tonight? Lord, will you move in spirit and in power? God, this whole semester we've been talking about surrender. And Lord, we surrender. Lord, come and be our God and our King. Come rule in our hearts and minds like you're supposed to. Set us aright. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... I am of the conviction that most character weaknesses are strengths that are just being misapplied. Yeah. Right? right. Uh, most character weaknesses right. are yeah. just strengths being misapplied. Yeah, yeah. So, like, to demonstrate this, am I determined or am I stubborn? Yeah. yeah. Right? It, it kind of depends on the situation, doesn't it? <laughs> One situation, like, man, that guy's got no quit in him. And then another situation, is, you donkey, knock it off. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got called that a lot by my mom. <laughs> or, it's not, I deserved it. It's fine. Don't <laughs> or, am I a procrastinator? Or, am I good at working under pressure? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm really good under pressure. Yeah. yeah. Right? I love pressure. <laughs> it's the same thing, like, like my grandpa used to tell me, a fire is great when it's in a fireplace. Yeah. yeah. 
but a fire on your couch is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Right? It, it depends on where the thing is, yeah. right? And so if you think about it, the majority of our problems in life result from something being out of order yeah. or going beyond its proper place. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Right. So there's nothing necessarily wrong with like the desire. It's the application or purpose of that desire that goes wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, there's nothing wrong with the desire to have provision, for example. In fact, God designed us to live in an abundant garden. Okay? But when provision, or in this sense we'd say money, becomes an end in and of itself, then we become greedy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? When the desire begins to rule you, when it gets out of its proper place, and the fire gets out of the fireplace and onto the carpet got a problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. right? right? There's nothing wrong with the desire for sex. Mm -hmm. But when sex becomes a mere desire to be gratified and not an expression of intimacy within marriage, we become lustful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 When the desire begins to rule you, mm. yeah. fire's gotten out of the fireplace, it's now on the couch. Yeah. Time to panic, right? Yeah. Time to set off the fire extinguishers in Contra Hall. <laughs> One of these desires or, or drives that I think is inherent in us is the desire and drive to be wanted, liked, and included. Yeah. Right? The desire for acceptance and approval. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And, and I'm going to be super transparent with you. This one, like, I basically wrote this sermon for me. Because this is the one that I struggled with the most. Right? Um, I remember talking to my little brother one time, and uh, my little brother is super smart. He is brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and I remember one time we were talking, and he goes, you know, the only way to really break a Scroggins man is to tell him you're disappointed in him. Some of y'all felt like your souls, didn't you? Right? So I'm being, like, really honest. Like, this thing, the, the desire for approval and acceptance. Yeah. Such a strong desire within me, and I, I'm guessing within some of y'all. Yeah. I remember as a kid there were there was nothing more terrifying than being rejected by my peers or disappointing my elders. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The first time I got in trouble in school was first grade, Mrs. Dudik's class. Oh right? Did you say Mrs. Dudu? Dudik. Oh. It's German, you racist. <laughs> <laughs> Right? We were all, like, I remember all the right. kids in class were learning how to, like, do the popping noise with their mouth, you know? That thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were all trying to do it, right? And I couldn't do it. And then this dude finally goes, all right, the next person that does that gets their name on the board. And then, then of course, I succeed, right? <laughs> and she just goes, Christopher, I didn't expect that from you. I wrote my name on the board, and I cried. I, like, wept like a baby. I made it all the way through kindergarten without having my card changed to yellow or red. I was a green card kid. First grade, it went off the rails. Right? Right. I was absolutely shattered. My mom told me later that Miss Dudek called home after school and talked to my mom to make sure I was okay. She was like, I will never write that child's name. Because I was like, Just broken. Because it disappoints. 
growing up, like, to fit in, like, when I was growing up to fit in, you, you had to be, like, on the football team, right? Yeah. And so I tried to be on the football team. If any of y'all have seen me play soccer, you'll know that athleticism is not my gifting, right? I always tell people, I was, like, first team all district bench warmer, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was really good at sitting on that bench. Yeah. But now, like, uh, seeing, like, for example, my, my son... Right? It's interesting to, for me like to see that for my kids it's not about athletics but it's about digital spaces. You know what I mean? Like you find your peers acceptance through digital spaces. Yeah, yeah. So like for instance my son got made fun of for playing Minecraft and not Call of Duty. Right? Wow. Yeah. So that was my reaction. Was you're still a giant nerd playing video games. <laughs> No, I'm less nerdy. It's a, it's, a, it's a nerdy game where you shoot people. Not a nerdy game where you build things. What? Right? Right. So the problem comes when I let this desire sit in the captain's seat, right? Yeah. Yeah. When I'm driven by the desire for acceptance and approval. Yeah. And what happens when, when that desire takes over is we begin to strive and fight and claw to gain what we want. And it all kind of goes back to the temptation of the tree in the garden, right? Right. Something is good, and it's set before us, yeah. and then we desire it, and we reach out using our own limited wisdom and take it. Yeah. See, the temptation of the serpent was something that God had in store for us anyway. Mm. Right? What did the serpent say? He said, mm. you will be like God. We were already created in his image. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. Right? And we also know that at the end of Matthew chapter 5, some of y'all are reading together, we know that Jesus says, be perfect like our Father in heaven is perfect. So that was God's desire for us anyway. But the design is perverted and corrupted in the process of us taking it for ourselves. It becomes like the one ring. When we put it on and try and wield it, it consumes us. We intend for good, but through us, the desire causes such great evil, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is this is true because one thing you may not realize: evil, like sin, Satan, the world, evil, right? All that, whatever you want to conglomerate, however you want to label that. Yeah. But evil and wickedness, it's non-creative. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. dead. It's death. It does not create anything. Yeah. It can only corrupt and pervert what God has made. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. See, our desires are created by God, and He knows their purpose. Yeah. And He knows how to use them appropriately. Yeah. Not us. And when we try and fulfill them on our own, or to satisfy them without anything other than God Himself, we're like putting the wrong kind of fuel in an engine. Maybe it'll run, but over time it's going to break down. Because the desire for approval and acceptance, that desire is not meant to be fulfilled by or satisfied by anyone but God alone. Right? Right. So this is what happened to me growing up. This is what happened to my son. You know, this is what happens to all of us, and this is what we do to others. Right? Either through desire for acceptance or approval from a friend group, or desire for acceptance and approval from maybe even ourselves, yeah. we're willing to put others down yeah. to satisfy that desire. Yeah. Mm. 
I'm going to make you look like the other so I can look more like an in. Does that make sense? And as I thought about this, I found it so odd that with most of our life happening in digital spaces now, and the internet being such a place of diversity and free expression, we would assume we would find all communities out there communities of total acceptance, right? <laughs> but that's not the case. <laughs> Ryan was ahead of me. <laughs> right. See, the desire for acceptance and approval has only grown more ravenous and hungry as these spaces have opened up. The slightest deviation by any one member of these kind of communities threatens the total acceptance of every other member of the community, and the reprisal is always swift and cruel. Right? You all tracking with me? Like, why do you think YouTube removed the dislike button? You violated the community of acceptance because you deviated. I want to make sure everyone knows that I'm in, so I'm going to make sure everyone knows you're out. By wielding the one ring, they become consumed by it. And how many times have we seen that happen? And if you take it a step further, what else is the desire to get views, likes, clicks, or whatever from our various like tweets, snaps, posts, I don't know what y'all do, but the desire for approval? Yeah. Right? Hmm. I'm sure for some of us in this room, it wasn't too long ago that entire fights happened in our friend groups because someone did not respond in the appropriate way to another person's online post. Right? right? Oh, you gave me a thumbs up. You didn't give me a heart. <laughs> I don't know how it works. You see that? Yeah. When the desire takes the captain's chair, when it becomes the driver's seat, when you put on the one ring, yeah. you begin to do harm. Yeah. John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper. And he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that we will never receive the approval and acceptance that we want? No. Maybe. 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 By walking with Jesus, you may not ever receive the acceptance and approval by your peers and elders. When we were missionaries in the Czech Republic, we would go to this youth conference there in the country called Christfest, right? Like Jesus Fest, basically, Christ Fest. And I would meet kids there that were from these smaller villages and towns where they were the only Christians that they'd ever met. They got saved by watching a video online or reading something. And no one else in their life knew Jesus. The only Christian in their whole family, their whole town, the whole school. And so they would come to these things and their minds were blown that so many other people knew Jesus. For them, this is a reality. 
maybe they will never receive the approval they want from their parents and peers because they follow Jesus. Yeah. And that's a reality that we have to face and something that we have to accept. See, in a perfect world, like the one that we were made for, our peers and elders would always give us the approval and acceptance we desire. Yeah. But, unfortunately, our world is not what it should have been. Yeah. Jesus is telling us that even he, the perfect man, was rejected. So why would we not expect the same? Yeah, that's right. yeah. It is entirely possible to do everything right and still run into someone that is wearing the one ring and will do anything to gain approval and acceptance from others or themselves. The denial of this desire is a harsh reality of our existence. And we have to confront that. We have to deal with that. So our hearts and souls and this desire was built for a perfect world. Yeah. So that begs the question, does such a world exist? I think C.S. Lewis answers this question brilliantly. C.S. Lewis says, the Christian says creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Here's what I want you to understand. The desire for approval and acceptance is an infinite question that we are trying to fill with, or trying to answer with finite solutions. Mm. Yeah, that's right. The desire for approval and acceptance is an infinite question that we are trying to answer with finite solutions. <laughs> there will never be enough approval or acceptance in the world to satisfy you. Yeah. 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 Because you are made for another world. Does that make sense? <coughs> I had a friend in my small group years ago, and I watched him fight this battle. He probably struggled with this desire more than anybody I've ever seen. And at first he hung out with us and our small group. He was faithful to our small group. He was our friend. He was our brother. But then on Chi Alpha night, he would go and sit with another small group. And I was like, man, why is he doing that? And I watched them strive and struggle to be accepted by that other group and to gain their approval. Right? And in his defense, that other group was way more hip and cool than we were. So, I mean, like, I get it. But after a while, another group would arise that would be more hip and cool. And then he would go and hang out with them and strive and struggle to gain their acceptance and their approval. And then another. And then another. And then another. And each time, he would modify his outward appearance. He'd change how he dressed. He'd change how he talked. He'd change his interests to fit into this new group. Hmm. Over and over and over again, it was so sad to watch someone so desperate for approval, only to gain it 
and find that it wasn't enough. Hmm. Why? Why did he do that? Because he was seeking, what he was seeking could not come from peers and elders. His desire was meant for another world. Let's look back at Matthew. The master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. And then later he says, come and share your master's happiness. What we are really seeking is the approval and acceptance of Jesus. He is the only one whose answer is big enough to fill the void of that question. The words of Jesus really are what we have been yearning to hear our entire lives. Though we did not always know it was from him that we needed to hear it. Come and share your master's happiness. There's that acceptance. Well done, good and faithful servant. There's the approval. That's what we've been looking for the whole time. C.S. Lewis again, to quote him, says, I must take care on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others do the same. Yeah. So good. Like the character flaws that we talked about earlier being misguided strengths, these desires need only be redirected into the appropriate channel. The desire for acceptance and approval, instead of being directed horizontally to peers or elders, should be directed towards Jesus. And you do this by surrender. By surrendering your right to be approved by those around you. The bottom line is you do not have the right to be accepted or approved by your peers or your elders. And Jesus tells us to not even expect it. Instead of seeking the approval and acceptance of an audience of many, we need to only focus on the audience of one. You surrender the desire to the judgment of Jesus. He is good to you. You surrender the desire to Jesus. He's your savior and the lover of your soul. And he's only ever wanted the best for you. He does not abandon you in your darkest moments. And whispers, I forgive you to your weary soul when you're burdened with failure. He is generous and kind. So for me, I must constantly refocus myself. I'm not looking for the approval 
of the people around me. I'm entrusting that desire into the hands of Jesus. Yeah. I surrender my right to hear it from my dad, my friends, my family. And yield that right to Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the band can go ahead and come back up. This, this right, the right to be accepted by the people around you, this right is the biggest hindrance to evangelism. Why did you not build a small group if you're a small group leader? Why have you never invited someone to Kaiofa? Ultimately, because you're clinging on to the right to be accepted. You're afraid, ultimately, that this person will disapprove of you because you've brought out Jesus. But you're not living for their approval, are you? Or you ought not to be. Does that make sense? This means when you feel the sting of rejection, instead of striving to regain approval or acceptance, you take that hurt to Jesus in prayer. You go into your prayer closet. Declare to Jesus that you want His approval and acceptance in His alone. And you allow these infinite stores of grace and love to swallow up the small stings inflicted upon you in your time in our broken world. Because his words, well done, good and faithful servant, are bigger than any... Dude, you're weird. Right? Like, we can laugh at it because it actually is laughable. I can tell you, in my life, my parents, for the longest time, didn't walk with Jesus. And when I got right with God, it cost me. My mom and my stepdad made me move out of the house. They, like, wouldn't help me out financially. My dad, when I told him that I was becoming a missionary, told me I was wasting my life. He thought Kaiapha was a cult. Maybe he's right. <laughs> Too deep to get out now. <laughs> I lost the acceptance of approval. And I had to come face to face. Right? With that truth my little brother said. The only way to break a Scroggins man is to tell him that you're disappointed in him. But who was really disappointed in me? My parents? Or Jesus? And who's more important in my life? And that's the reality. That's the reality. And it sounds hard and it sounds cruel, right? And there's crazy verses in the Bible that talk about Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated, but Jesus, I have loved, and my parents I have hated, right? Jesus, I have loved, and my friends I have hated. Because the way I love Jesus, the intensity with which I love Jesus, and the willingness I am to sacrifice 
for Jesus, the willingness I am to surrender to Jesus, makes everything else look like hatred in comparison. And that's what surrender looks like. That's what surrender looks like. And that's really what we're talking about here. Are you willing to put your arms up? Jesus, you're the only one that matters. You're the only one that I care about. And your words can swallow up all of the hurt that I will receive for following. Do you trust him that much? Do you trust him that much? It's amazing, guys. He is so good. You know, like, my dad My dad knows Jesus now. And that's really cool. The Lord was able to use my life in, like, a small, stupid little way, right? Like, I'm not, look, guys, if you have parents that aren't saved, when you go home for spring break, don't be like, hey, read your Bibles, sinners. Right, don't do that. It doesn't work, right? They tell you how to use the toilet. You can't teach them anything, right? Like, there's just certain levels of, like, you taught me how to wipe my butt. Therefore, I can never teach you anything ever, right? But when they see the self-surrender in you, when they see how much you've died to yourself, how much you've died to your rights, they're going to ask questions, and that's when you can give an answer. Right? And that's, that's it. That's it. That's the love of Jesus swallowing up all the little slings and arrows that we endure throughout life. When people tease you, make fun of you because you invited them to Bible study, right? You can't let the acceptance and approval be in the driver's seat. It's like wielding the one ring. It's going to consume you. And there won't be anything left when it's done. So, Usually we do like some crazy altar time because we're super intense here at Chi Alpha, right? But what I think we need to do right now is I think we just need to corporately respond in worship because what is actually going on here is a greater affection is outweighing a lesser affection. Right? I think Richard said it last year. He said when you when you find something better, you drop what you have. And that's what this is. We found something better in Jesus. His acceptance. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's all we need. And if the words of Jesus saying that to you does not carry the weight that it needs to, to expel all the old desires, all the old stuff that's in you, then I want you to take this time of worship to think about how good Jesus is. Think of the kingdom of glory, the the Lord of mercy, the God that died on the cross for you, the God that reaches down from heaven to lift you up when you are stooped over. That God, he's the one. He's the one that we're looking for. Does that make sense? So let's sing to him, let's experience him and worship together with the honor and worthiness that he deserves and let that greater love replace the lesser love that we are seeking. Amen?
Heavenly Father, speak to us today. God, we love you. You're so good and so kind. And you're so worthy. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to our hearts tonight a deeper, more intense revelation of who you are. God, let us see how great and glorious you really are so that we can forsake all the other lesser loves that we spend our time chasing. In your name we pray. Amen.